You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, gals, welcome back to The Devoted Podcast. Okay, today is just super fun for me because I'm going to sit down with Debbie Matter. She is the wife of our senior pastor here at Athey Creek Christian Fellowship, and she's just got so much wisdom when it comes to parenting, being a mom. So we kind of talk about a whole bunch of stuff. We talk about the culture, how it seeped into our our parenting a little bit. She gives us some good context on just what we're called to do as a mom too. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this and uh, we'll just get right to it. Debbie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. We got to have you here once before. and um, It's so fun. It was a while ago. So maybe gals, if you didn't get to hear when we had Debbie on before, we got to go check it out. Debbie's one of my go-to. So she pretty much kind of laid it out. This is how you should raise little kids, Aim. And I learned so, so much. So I'm just kind of excited to have Debbie on because I like to talk to her anyway about all things and especially about parenting stuff because she just is so great at pointing us to biblically how we should be doing raising our kiddos. So today is, I don't know, we'll see where all this goes, but I just kind of wanted to invite the podcast listeners into just a conversation that we would have on raising kiddos. And so specifically one of the things that I talked about, and we talked about this, you know, even a couple of weeks ago when we had breakfast together, what we see in parenting with Christian mamas and ways that kind of culture seeping in and things like that. So we want to get to that t- some today. But first, before we start, let's like kind of lay out for us, what is our charge as moms on how we are to raise our kids? And why does that matter? So I think that when, I mean, in order to answer that question, I think the best thing to do for the podcast audience is to maybe give a little bit of context to my upbringing, because I think it will help those out there that are listening to understand why I came to the conclusion that I did. So I was raised by, they didn't know it at the time, but parents who were educated by a very progressive college system, they came out of the University of Redlands in the 1950s and thought they were Christians because they were born in America. That's what they were taught. And when I got saved, which was, you know, decades later, they had had me and had, you know, gone through a divorce and all of that, because that's where it leads. Everything leads to an implosion without Jesus, right? So as I became a Christian in my high school years, I started realizing as I went to a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, the very first book that I went through at that church was the book of Genesis. And so then the very first story that I really got to hear that had anything to do with marriage was literally Adam and Eve. So to me, it was like this giant aha moment that, wow, God has an actual plan. And it's not like a joke. It's not a one-off. The Bible actually is real. You can take it seriously. Let's take a look at this. It just really got my attention because I had come from such a really sad, broken home situation. And again, I mean, the Lord's so good because my mom had done so much to make up for that. And I knew my dad loved me as much as he could and all of those things. But really the hollowness in my heart was truly only filled by Christ when I came to know him. So when I came to know him, it was a real... I mean, I ha- there was an interaction that I had with God that was undeniable and I could not shake that. And so then when I found that truth in the Bible as a guide and the fact that you really can take the Bible and live your life truly by it. So that was like hurdle number one of, oh, wow, the Bible's real. I'm gonna take that in, apply it to my life. And that means 
I should seriously look at what it is when it comes time for marriage. So I began to really kind of take down a list. And I still have that Bible that has the list of what I would look for in a godly husband. Because I started thinking, well, I should actually look for a godly husband, not just any dude, but like a godly husband. That The marks and traits within that is far different than what the world might say is acceptable for a husband. So that was the first thing. And so then a few years later when I met Brett, it was like, whoa, because he a thousand percent like get out the spreadsheet, check, 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 you know, like everything <laughs> yeah. was great. And so then it was just like waiting on the Lord for Brett to have that peace and everything. So, and that was a whole nother story. So then I married this godly husband who had really strong convictions. And then he was doing what he needed to do, being the leader in our home. And he was saying, we're going to put Jesus first. That means when we had these kids that I thought, you know, Brooke was born and that the little jokey story that I tell is that, you know, I really did think I birthed a perfect child. I truly... You had the one perfect child. She was amazing. Well, no, the one perfect child, Amy, was in fact Jesus. <laughs> That's what Brett told me. And so Brett kind of clued you in on this. Yes, this he had to say, knowledge. honey, what did you think you do? Gave birth to the Savior? I mean, no, that was, <laughs> that was Jesus. That was a one-off. That was one time, you know. That was Mary. You're not Mary. And this is Brooke. This is not Jesus. So just to kind of realize, wow, she is not responding with that glee when she was first born as the personality comes out and you start seeing that, wow, this child has a personality and there's DNA that's being expressed. And, you know, maybe I didn't know that at the time because when I had her, there really and truly was just this wash of just crazy love that I had never experienced before that I knew was from God. And he gave me that love for her. And it was really so beautiful. And the thing that's interesting is that I think that that has happened a lot with many of the moms out there. And I think what's happening is that they too are going through a situation where they're feeling like, uh oh, we're at this kind of crossroads where I think what I'm seeing in my child is maybe something that's not lining up with what I imagined. But I think what's happening in culture, because culture out there is handing a ribbon to everyone and everything's good, I think that people are really redefining in their minds what used to be a given, and that is the authority and role of a parent and the role of a child and what that looks like. And I think that there's some confusion on what those roles are. But backing up to the context part, I think for me, going into it, when Brooke, when she got into those years where, you know, 16 months, she was very verbal. She had well over 25 words by the time Joey was born. So she was really young and she, we were having conversations, you know, and I could fully interpret her whole dialogue, you know, so it was just not even a question that when the time came, you know, right around between 16, 18 months, Brett was able to kind of test it out and really know that what she was doing was she was learning. She had mad skills with manipulation and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and I say that not because of Brooke. I say that about any little human that's Humans, born. Absolutely. Learn early. Wow. If nonverbal is 80 to 90% of our communication is nonverbal, kids learn that. I mean, they're almost fully fluent by the time they're three. And that means they're way fluent in their nonverbal in that first 24 to 30. I mean, it's, it's incredible when you actually study communication and what it looks like and break it all down. But what makes it so freeing for people is to actually realize, wow, the Bible's true for me, but it's also true for my child. And so that was just something that I knew Brett earnestly in following the Lord and following that call, we were gonna be serious about what God's word says. And that included discipline, having boundaries, having rules, having order, having our plan of what our discipline plan was. 
And then that plan was going to include spanking. So backing up to where I came from, from my parents, I think I was spanked three times, you know, and it was not a healthy situation when I was spanked and it was anger and all that. And so I I just had to redefine a whole bunch of things. I had to really talk to the Lord about that and go to him and say, you know, Lord, you know my heart in that I want only kindness and I only want love for this child. You also know my heart in terms of how I was raised. And I do think that my mom did as much as she could, an excellent job in giving boundaries without spanking. But Lord, that's not what my husband's saying. So help me to really have my faith in you as I process this and as I integrate this. So the whole thing, just to dial that to a more simple reason, like why did we want to do that? It's because in the book of Acts and at the end of the gospels in the New Testament, when you see Jesus literally visit you know, the disciples and you see that visit happen and then you see the calling after the Holy Spirit lands, it's incredible. And the call that everyone's given is to go and make disciples. In our home, I had made the choice to primarily be at home as a stay-at-home mom. So what could look like a whole entire world to like a corporate mom or some employee that's out there all the time, nine to five working or someone who hasn't had kids yet. And they're like, my whole company is the place where I'm going to make disciples or whatever, which even that's being challenged now with woke society and just our freedom of speech is being challenged in the workplace and all of that stuff. And without going into politics and law and governance and court cases and all of that, when you just really dial it down, the fact of the matter is, are we going to believe Jesus and take him at his word or not? And for me, it was, well, Lord, it looks to me like my disciples are those people that are within my home. I love how you're just pointing. I mean, that's a great way to drill it down. Are we going to make disciples? That's one of the things. Backing that up going, are we going to do what the Bible says for us to do? And then realizing who those disciples can be and what we what impact we have in that as a mom. I mean, there is definitely a directive that scripture is giving us to make disciples. And for moms, this is where it all starts, right? Those are the little disciples that are right in front of you and you get to do that. But this is, again, where we're going to keep probably saying this because culture has different messages about this. They have different ideas about this. And I I do just want to offer this disclaimer a little bit. We are definitely talking about Christian parents and moms that believe the gospel message for themselves. But like you said, sometimes we might not believe the gospel for our children in our parenting. Like they might push back on that. But really, if you're not actively doing some of the things that scripture talks about as far as discipline and things like that goes, then you aren't doing necessarily what the Bible is saying. So separating those two camps, we're not talking to a mom that is not saved. That's kind of a a different conversation. But for the Christian mama, we have a job to do that is actually authoritarian. It's actually an authority figure, just like the Bible says, we have something to do. And it can't be co-opted by culture. I think that you hit on some really important points. One thing to maybe help moms who this is a brand new discovery to them is the idea of authority. And I do think we have to go back to maybe the past three to 30 years (laughs) of really bashing authority figures. And, you know, we can start with the police and all of that. Are all policemen amazing? No. But are most policemen awesome? Yes. So, I mean, there's just certain things like that, that there's been a huge attempt to redefine authority figures as being evil. So I think that for the moms that are new moms and for the moms that have, you know, kids that are 20 or less, 
I just think that it's, you really have to go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, what do you say about authority? And what do you say should be our response to authority? And by and large, the answer is respect. So that's what you're trying to cultivate within your home is an attitude of respect. It's not the kind of authority that is depicted in the movies where you have someone just running around and just whipping a kid and all that. That's horrible. That stuff, we would never endorse that. That's abuse. This is a God-given authority. And the thing is, the Bible talks about where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so that's one thing to sort of also disclaimer out to the moms, like each one of your homes could look very different because you do have the Holy Spirit to guide you. And within your home, there's great, great freedom. So it's you and your husband, or if you're by yourself, you and the Holy Spirit, because really the Lord is your husband, you are needing to figure this out and see what authority does look like. And it just, the Bible just talks a lot about letting all things be done decently and in order. And that should be our goal. There's chaos right now that we're being asked in society. We're being asked to buy into chaos, that that is a good thing. The Bible clearly tells us that let all things be done decently and in order. So two things can happen at the same time. We can be decent and we can also have order and we can have great freedom because of the Holy Spirit. And I think that should help soften any sort of like terrible definition maybe someone already has in their brain, stereotypical of authority. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what's the fruit of the spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, you know, self-control. We want that to be exuding from us as parents. And really the authority that we have is given to us by God. I think that's where there's a mess up out in society right now, because I think, how can we expect culture that's lost? How can we expect society that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior they do not embrace the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was raised again, resurrected and ascended to heaven and will someday return. That society is trying to tell us what to do. And we need to call that out and say that society is not what I am under. I am under God's commandment. I'm under what he is asking me to do. And I have received his gospel message. And I think we can do that personally I do think that moms stand a chance that if they don't daily, because daily we're called to renew our mind, if we don't daily come to the Lord and acknowledge where we're at, acknowledge our own trespasses, I mean, just going through the Lord's prayer every day is a, is a good one, just to remind yourself of the basics, like where are we at with this yeah. in terms of like, what did Jesus say? And, and just don't go beyond what Jesus said for a little while and hang with that. But I mean, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, you know? Jesus asked us to do that. He called us to do that. I think there's so much beauty in living out our life with the words of Christ. But if we don't do that and we're only listening to pop culture and music that's out there and all that stuff, that's going to be our influence. And then all of a sudden we're following another gospel and that is where it's super dangerous. And before we know it, it's trickled off onto our kids. Yeah. So first you're saying too that, you know, the Bible is telling us that we need to be an authority. A lot of people might be listening, a lot of gals listening that's going, I'm really uncomfortable with this word. That kind of should be a flag to us right there. You know, if you're listening to us and, and you're just going, man, I, I don't really know what I think about being an authority with my kids. Already that should trigger to you that culture is influencing what you are seeing as your role with your kids. Because the Bible says that we are an authority and that's an okay thing. That's actually a good thing. 
the world says, no, 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 you got to be best friends with your kids. And, and I will say, like, I think it's probably easier to maybe embrace that role that the Lord's given us to teach and train and have authority with our kids when they're younger. Maybe some still probably struggle with that a little bit too, but as they get older and as we have these, you know, sweet, amazing teenagers that we do want to have relationship with. And we do want to, we want that relationship to be good so that we can still have an influence. But I do hear a lot of times moms will say, but relationship above all, I just, you know, if I don't have good relationship with my kids, then they're not in their thinking, then they're not going to hear X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So talk about that distinction a little bit with culture about how you know, are we an authority or are we our kids BFF? Because I think the Bible says something, chooses one side or the other. Right. Well, if I were to argue this without the Bible and I were just to look at examples to be, give you a data-driven answer, for instance, I would say, wow, look at the data. The parents that do the hard work in the first five years of their child's life come out better in terms of having the relationship that they really are longing for, but you got to do the work. It's just, there's so much work to do in that first five years. And the thing is, is if you, if you have a method and if you have a plan, a disciplined plan in place and you are consistent, you'll see the payoff. And then the reward is huge because between the ages of five and 10, it's so much less of that work. And you begin to see the reward. The fruit starts to grow. You know, you start to see this beautiful blossoming of your children and then as they go through changes and hormones and, you know, who they're interacting with, with their peers, whether it's, you know, sports or whatever, the things that you poured into them in that zero to five and then really encouraged and triple encouraged between five and 10, as then they go into their junior high years, it is going to be so, because you were so good about going through the black and white, then when they get into the age where there's a whole lot of gray, they are going to know this is just lukewarm. Blech. It's not going to taste good to them. They will not like the taste. The flavor is not going to be distinguishable. They won't like it. They'll know it's sin. They'll know this is a bunch of garbage. This is exactly what mom and dad taught us about. And so, wow, we can see it very clearly. So I, I just think from data, I have seen so many through the years, people who wanted to raise their kids as friends. And then when their kids got into maybe even age 10, 11, 12, and got super mouthy, for instance, which the boys are less inclined to get mouthy. The girls can be the sassiest, most hurtful, horrible, horrific girls that I have ever seen in my life. Like, I mean, I can't believe some parents don't call restraining orders on their kids at that age because they need juvie for a few days with the PBJs and get some chats, you know, because it's people have no idea how high kids can get on themselves. And then that just comes out because if they're not being disciplined when they're younger and given boundaries and all the parents are doing is literally training them to like themselves, then that little monster is going to grow into a big monster. And the saddest thing that I've also seen is that the end result oftentimes is that those parents are never best friends with their kids when their kids are adults. They have either no relationship with their kids. And I mean, peace out zero like the kid either spiraled and is just so far off the deep end and really like rejecting anything to do with faith or go the other way and join a cult because that is what is comfortable to them, the discipline or the relationship that they see in that cult. You know, I've just seen it go all these different ways. Drugs, homelessness. I mean, it's the gamut. It's all, you know, whoa, left to right, just all the way across. 
And it's so preventable. It's so preventable. That's the sad part. It's just if the parents would have said, all right, hold on a minute. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What does that look like? Old Testament from Joshua. If you go into the New Testament, okay, I'm called to raise disciples. What does that look like? Well, the whole root word of disciples is discipline. I mean, it, that is what it is. And so just to accept that, wow, by having these little children, that means that I have work to do. And it's going to be work. It's going to be work. It's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. There's going to be tears involved. It's not going to be super easy. Every day is not a day off. You know, every day is game on, you know. So I think those are just the hard truths that help maybe break down why parents are super confused on how come they can't focus on the BFF part. And I think I'm a little bit mystified in a world that's so in love with workout culture and looking perfect on the outside. And everybody has a filter now and knows how to use it on their phones and all of this stuff. I just think with as much attention everyone gives to really external things that are completely vain, why in the world would they not take a minute and give at least a minimal amount of effort to the things that are internal and matters of the heart and things that actually do matter for eternity? You know, it's just, I don't know, the vanity that we're in is just, I feel like it's like hypnotizing. People are like, they're hypnotized <laughs> and are very in love with themselves so much so that they don't want to get hurt by their baby that might say, mommy, I don't, I object. You know, they won't object. They will not object when they're young. When you start them out young and they know that there's boundaries, that's just what they know. They just know that these things are not acceptable behavior and that's the end. Well, and you know, earlier when you said, when the Bible talks about doing things decently in order, and we've thrown out some really inflammatory words like authority and things like that. The thing that is so just peaceful about those terms is because the Bible is true and these things just work. It just absolutely works. And the, you could say, oh, it, you know, even if you were just from an outside, just trying to go from get one plus one to equal two, this is actually going to be a tried and true way of doing it. And it's our flesh that's like, oh, but I don't want to do that. That's too harsh. Or, But that's our flesh just wanting to kind of go what, what at the time we think is maybe the easier way of doing it. But truly, truly, it's so much harder later on. But what about like, you know, what if it's you got a mom listening who maybe they weren't even a Christian when their kiddos were zero to five mm -hmm. and a lot of that hard work did not happen. You know, what do you say to the mama that needs some encouragement that now they do have some teenagers and there was a whole lot of stuff that, man, they let go and they did not establish authority in the home. Yeah. How can we encourage those moms? Yeah, those moms come to me a lot and they say, wow, I should have started this so long ago. And... I, in fact, know some of those moms who it's been 20 years now and their kids went through a, a real spiral cycle and have landed now on their feet, thankfully walking with the Lord. And now you've got the kid who has kids and the mother who's a grandmother now saying, we can't stress enough how important it is. We're with the Lord and we're going to do things differently now. But I would say for the parent who has teenagers, if you are married it's still going to be the same application. You and your husband should really work to be on the same page in terms of what the discipline plan is. And then you might have to gently introduce, hey, we're just going to talk about certain things like curfews and certain things like parental guidance on phones. And here's the reason why. And a lot of times kids listen to the reason why and they go, makes sense. I think we underestimate 
which is a huge part of this. I think we really, really don't give our kids enough credit for being smart because they are so in tune with culture that they know things that maybe parents have been completely just amiss, by. Yeah. just didn't understand what was going on and they know. And also God's given all of us a conscience. And so when you do talk to your kids about these things, a lot of times it will ring true and there can be great relief for those kids. I think the ones that you have to really maybe super dial in on are going to be, hey, do you have you know a screamer? Do you have a child who you let just scream at you all the time? And now that child's 13 or 14 and it's just going to scream, scream, scream. You really might need to reach out to our counseling department and really get some good counsel and guidance and maybe really reach out with your child to really figure out what the plan is so that they can actually understand that they're really cared about and they're really loved and no one's trying to clamp down on them. No one's trying to be the fun sucker of their life, but like mom and dad aren't crazy. These are things that are reasonable. This is what it looks like to grow up and become mature, you know? And in some ways I think your first apologetics, if you're a new Christian and you have a teenager, your first apologetics class is going to be you teaching it to your kids because you know, if they don't know the word of God, it is your job to like catch them up. And so that's where it's exciting though. I mean, there's so much that we have access to even within the Ethie Creek community because I, there literally is so much, you know, for those dads to go through ironworks. I mean, hello, every day there's like 80 of them or something that have been done now. So you've got so much that you can access for guidance and parenting. And for the moms, I mean, there are so many teachings available to help really go through and become super solid so that they know that they know what the word says before they start teaching, you know, to their kids. But even that you don't, I think back to Brett's mom and dad who became Christians when they had kids. And I think, wow, the Holy Spirit worked within them in such a strong and powerful way. There was no Dr. James Dobson at that time, but it's amazing what the work of the Spirit did within their life. Some of the same books that Dr. Dobson wrote about Strong-Willed Child, all of those books were things that the Lord was showing them at the same time, within the same era of years, you know? And so I just think the Holy Spirit also can help so much and just be such a tremendous strength and guide, which he promises to do, you know? I mean, the Lord promises the Holy Spirit. And so on one hand, I think don't expect perfection at all. So I'm not saying Debbie Downer, no pun intended, but <laughs> I mean, don't, I'm not saying like expect the worst, but I'm saying, hey, just open it up to what God's going to do within your family. Have a lot of grace, extend a lot of grace. But also when you know there's things that could be truly diabolical to your child. And when I say that, I mean like, let's just get right to it. The drugs and the permeation to the brain and the damage that can do to a child, those need to be hard news and they need to be hard news ASAP. As soon as, you know, you become aware, what? Like that, you need to understand that you cannot operate under the fear of man anymore. The fear of man is a snare. It's got to go. Making rules are not bad. The safety of your child. I mean, why parents don't understand that they absolutely need to really, really make good, strong, very clear lines for their kids. Why they don't understand that that's a healthy thing is I just think the enemy duping them because we would never set out a bottle of strychnine and say, hey, everybody, drinks around the house. We would never do that. We would get arrested for that. I just think it's the same thing. If you let your kids have access to the phones, be in a place where they can have access to buying drugs or be in a place where they can have drugs, 
allowing addictions to pornography and whatnot to enter in at early, early, early ages, this is happening. And I think if that becomes something that's on your radar and you don't deal with it, I'm just going to say, you got to stand before God on that. That's you and Jesus because the consequences are huge. They're huge. And, and I, I think there's such a really a word that might be a little bit of a splash of cold water to some mamas, but we have to care about this stuff. You you cannot, I mean, long gone. I, I don't know that there ever was a day, but for sure it's not today, a day where a mom can just not be engaged or can just assume that I'm sure my kid's not involved with that or, you know, you just can't. And not only from the standpoint of just caring for your child, even in your response of what you're, what the Lord has called you to do as a mom, like you were just saying, mm -hmm. you're going to have to stand before the Lord on those. How, how did you do with the little disciples that you were creating? Now, I don't say that in like a, you know, wanting to just beat down the mama that feels like she's not done these things right. But the Lord's mercies truly are new every single morning. And I love your encouragement that the Holy Spirit is really working in your home. When the word tells us that his commandments are his enablements, right? The Lord is not going to ask us to do something as moms that we cannot do. You know, I mean, he is so faithful and so kind to meet us in that. So there's no, there shouldn't be an excuse for us to go, well, I can't do that. Or that's too hard. Or my kid's not going to respond to that. Because the Lord's going to meet us in that when you want to do that. But I think mom should also be prepared that the enemy does not desire for us to train up our kids in the ways of the Lord. He, the enemy does not desire for us to teach our kids to be biblically literate and to know what the Bible is saying. So, yeah, expect some opposition to that. But, you know, really, yeah. the Lord is the one that stands with us on this. So let's talk a little bit about some hangups that we can see within our kids and I don't know what the age for this would be, but it's probably a little bit on the older side. But how do you see the idols that we create with our kids or maybe even just us personally? But there's a lot of idolatry out there. Celebrities telling our kids, like you're saying with the workout culture, they got to look a certain way. We care about all these external things. Mm -hmm. Romans has some pretty strong words about that. I just want to read Romans 125. It says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. We exchange nonsense for the truth. Yes. And this really, I think, can be a hang up very practically in parenting. What do you think on that? It's interesting because, you know, kind of circling back to our previous conversation and then tying that into now, I was thinking about Romans chapter three, verse four, and Brett said this time and time again through the years, let God be true and every man a liar. So fundamentally just believing God and his word and then all the other stuff is going to have to prove itself to you because if it's a lie, let it go, you know, but getting to the idols, I think that it's interesting just it, recently I've been going through the Psalms and, you know, King David had a home idol. He had a household idol in his house. So I think we should all sort of like take the pressure off and realize, okay, it's very likely that I am actually creating idols in my home somehow. And I think once you get over that hump of, oh, it's a real thing, like what is it? So I think maybe defining what an idol is. I mean, here we have shows that blast it, you know? So we don't really shy away from the fact that we do exalt people. But I think what's funny is as parents, I think we can exalt our kids. And I think we can turn our kids into idols. And I think that is what is actually the problem with a lot of the previous things we talked about. I think that a lot of times parents have birthed these children and they have put them on a pedestal and they have become their little idol. And I think that they are worshiping that idol and they're serving that idol and they're wanting to please that idol. 
And I think that the freedom comes from realizing this is not an idol. This is a human being. I've been, you know, I've been amiss. And then seeing the freedom that comes with that and just taking that pressure off. Because you know what, kids, they don't want the pressure of being an idol. They really don't. They really don't want to have that. It's too much pressure to have the kids be the focal point all the time. And I think that's why oftentimes kids really do explode. Because I think that they just go, I can't, I cannot handle this. What you mom and dad, they can't articulate it. But I think that they sense it. And I, so I think that's just maybe a word to someone out there. Like, be free from idolizing your kids. Give them their proper place and get the roles dialed in where they need to be. And then once you look at that, moving on to the next topic for whoever else is joining us in this community, this online community, you know, it's a fantastic opportunity to actually really have some dialogue about this because we exalt people way, way, way too much. And we exalt them and not just by giving them accolades and wearing shirts that have their face on it and all the weird things that we do that like exalt people, but like we pay money for this stuff. Like we pay a lot of money to exalt people. We buy magazines that further the narratives that exalt them. And we do just, we, all these things we just, we really, really do. And I think that we have just been swept up by a media culture that's making a lot of money off of, you know, a lot of times propaganda, a lot of narratives that are not true. And then books are being sold, publishers are making money. It's just, it's sad, but economically, if you just look at it, follow the money. This is not new, just to our past decades. This goes back to thousands of years. You know, I know, Amy, when you and I had the privilege of going over to Turkey to see some of these places that were, what, thousands of years old. And, you know, the one port that we went into, is it called Kusidasi, where we went in and then had to get on a bus and then... Kusadase. Okay, yes, Kusadase. So we go in there and we have to get bussed in and we're going into this city that's like so old. And it was... Ephesus was incredible. But like you're saying, it was a city given to idolatry. It was given to idolatry. And the issue there was that they were practicing really horrifically gross things, not unlike what we're practicing now with our abortion and prostitution and the acceptance of that and pedophilia and the things that are becoming more normalized. That culture of Ephesus, they were making a buck off of all that and they were doing it in the name of a God. And so then when Christianity came, the big hullabaloo that was being raised was that they were not making their money anymore because there were no more idols being worshiped because there were conversions to Christianity. And so I just think that purification that happened at that time because of the word of God that hits, I think, wow, well, so here's the thing. Let's learn from history. Let's just realize that when you take a stand for Christ, it's going to put a kink in the chain and bottleneck up an industry that doesn't like you for that. They want money. They will be mad if they do not get your money. So just put your foot down and say, no, because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And just be open to examining these actually hideous things that have snuck in. And I think people would be actually surprised at how free they would become because it's actually can be much more simple. With the idolatry, you know, we, when we think about those biblical images of what an idol is, and that's why when we use that word even, I think people just go, that's not me. I don't have any idols because they think it is the goddess Diana that you read about from ancient history or, you know, an actual physical idol on your shelf kind of thing. 
And so we just kind of discard it. We just kind of check it off like, I don't have that. So it's not a big deal. But especially as you're talking about that example of, man, when Christians showed that, no, we, we worship the true God, it cut that money off. Then you can start saying, oh, well, maybe there are some more similarities. And so if I can just get real practical, what are the things that we in our homes are, like you're saying, giving the money to, going to the concerts? I spent an episode talking about Taylor Swift. So it's a, that's one of those things that we need to recognize and I, where I think moms need to be really engaged with, are you feeding into something that has become a little bit of an idol in your daughter's life? And is the idol for you the fact that you don't want to rock the boat with your child? Because... Amy, I just want to say, why do you have to be so mean? Oh, did you just pull a Taylor Swift lyric in there? Oh. Someday. (laughs) And also, people need to say, we are never, ever getting back together. That's what they need to say to Taylor Swift. We are breaking up. That's it. Break up. We are breaking up. Just got to say, hey. So... I think we figured out that there's some Taylor Swift stuff that, you know, it's everywhere in our culture with girls. It's everywhere. It really is. And our culture with moms. So gals, I should tell you that when I first started with thinking and just praying about that Taylor Swift after if I should do it. And again, it's not because I'm hating on Taylor Swift. It truly isn't. It is because that this is something where I think we've made some compromises as some Christians. We have. And I shot Debbie a text and I was like, okay, am I being nuts over here? Because what is happening? I'm seeing these Christian mamas that are just... They're lining up in droves and they're taking their 12-year-olds and 13s and 19-year-olds. And I think that, and I said this on that episode too, that, man, you're teaching something one way or the other. So by allowing it, you are teaching, you are training your child that this is acceptable. Yeah. Okay. I think actually Taylor Swift is a really good example, a very good teaching moment for a lot of parents. Because Brooke and I were actually, Brooke is my daughter, and Brooke uh, and I were talking about the new release and the colorful language that is in that new release. And she pointed out, mom, here's the huge bummer about that. They're, they have two versions of that song. One song that they did for money has the bomb in it. The other version is actually more. It's more tame. It's, well, it's, it's more clean, tame. It's, it's, it's the like clean two words. One, right? clean, yes, but it's, it's actually more eloquently written. It's easier to listen to because it literally is better writing. And so I think, we all know what kids are listening to. So play the two songs. Have the kids listen to both songs and go, hello, do you understand? Like we're all being played. We're literally being played. Kids, kids, this is an example of when the Bible says, let no corrupt communication come out of our mouths. This sweet girl, Taylor Swift, in the name of money has bought into this and it's sad and let's pray for her. But you know what? We're gonna not listen to that either that version or we're just not going to listen to her anymore. So it's just, you know, you got to figure that out again. The Holy Spirit can lead you and guide you on that. I do really, really, really believe that. But the fact is, is there are good Christian artists out there, amazing good Christian artists out there who are not necessarily singing Christian songs. They're secular, but they're not doing that stuff and they're not compromising, you know, and we just, I think we have to rip the bandaid off too in this conversation today about the agenda with LGBTQ because that that's where I see people need to understand, like I've been watching Taylor Swift for like a couple decades now, you know, like I saw her years ago with the little milk commercial with the little lipstick, you know, of milk when all the celebrities, the up and comers were getting really promoted and she was 15 or 14 and she was in that. And I watched that and I thought, how are her parents going to handle her? And I just thought they did so amazingly well for that first chunk of time. 
obviously an amazingly gifted writer. Very, very good. She's so, so gifted. Very talented. So talented. And I think she does have a heart for God. I do think that. I just think that sometimes when you're in this world that is this crazy world and you have got, I mean, anybody that knows anything about Taylor Swift knows that literally outside her door at any time are hundreds of photographers lined up. So she is in a, a predicament. Yeah. She really is. You know, Horrible like I pressure. would love to see Taylor Swift, you know, be able to connect with some of the Christian artists that have been around for, you know, 40 years who have figured out like, okay, you need to create space between yourself and all of this other stuff and like spend some time seeking God and really get down to what is needed. Because I do think, and I think anybody that's hearing me right now, I think they can hear that I have compassion for her situation because it's so easy to get swept up in this fake story about yourself and believe it. And then the thing that I get concerned for is at the end of her life, she's going to look back on all this stuff and it's like, okay, that's awesome. You know, I'm rich or I'm whatever. And I had a million awards and I had all these things and all these records and all my friends that I embraced and all of this stuff. But so much of it just is going to go away in a blink of an eye. It's, it's vanity, vanity, all is vanity, you know? And like only what's done for Christ will last. And I think I pray for Taylor that she would be stronger, that she would say, I, I got to believe God's word and I need to stand on this. I mean, her parents, I'm sure at age 18, they were like, she's an adult. We're going to have to let her go. There's probably going to be things we love her. There's probably going to be things that we won't agree with. You know, I don't know. Her parents have been very private and they haven't talked about too many things other than to say we raised her to be a Christian. You know, I think the South as a whole, what I see happening is that there is, it's like mildew or mold creep that's going into the South. And, you know, it's very humid there. So anyone that's from the South listening to this can understand like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, it can grow fast. In Leviticus 14, we have such a, I, I would actually encourage everyone to read that because it's such a clear example of, the necessity to identify the mildew and the mold and then to literally cleanse and then literally have a priest. There's a sacrifice for it. One sheep, it's such a picture of Christ is required for this de declaration of cleansing. I mean, I just think like, hello, all of our friends in the South. Hello, all of us in the USA. Like my parents were taught to be Christians because you're you know, born in the USA. No, you're not. And we all need that cleansing. And we all need that declaration that we are clean. And the only way that we get that is by recognizing, oh my goodness, I am covered head to toe in mold. I And mold being a symbol of sin, you know, like no matter what it is, whether it's the music that I'm listening to or, or the influences that I've allowed or my own things that I have put onto other people or whatever it is, like I am based on the fact that I am human. I have been born into a sin nature. And if you take sin nature and exchange it with mold <laughs> and read Leviticus 14, like that's the math equation. I mean, we need to be cleaned up. And the only answer for that is through a sacrifice and direct declaration of a priest. And that's our high priest is Jesus. You know, so I just think that it might, it's oversimplifying maybe, but it's not because it costs the life of Christ, but it is literally the answer for everything, you know? And I just think once you apply that, then it's super easy. You start listening to, you know, this rapper or this whatever, and whatever it is your kids are into. And you have that ear of saying, does this have mold? And then you go, well, yeah. So then it's got to go, you know? So it becomes very easy 
to just, you know, again, like I said, I mean, hold the song up and, and literally go through it, you know, and I know Brett has stories of talking about his dad taking a CD or at the time it was a cassette tape and just opening up the words and saying, Hey Brett, let's go through these lyrics. Let's see uh, what you're listening to here, bud. And Brett would be embarrassed. So like that same approach can stand today. That's a really good example of communication with your child really helping your kids come to a conclusion that's reasonable and logical and helping them understand the difference between carnality and actually being sanctified. You know, we're not perfect, but living and with the knowledge and awareness of those two things. And we have to just be honest when we're going in a carnal direction, we just, if we feel that check and we're getting, even sometimes the Bible says in the new Testament, it talks about, for instance, you know, not giving communion worth, not giving the value to the blood and, the body that was broken, when we do not give those things value, it's made some sick. And we have a lot of sickness in our society. And I just think it goes right back to sin. It goes right back to not addressing these issues. Man, there's so much good stuff there. And I love that whether it's Taylor Swift we're talking about, or maybe it's a different kind of music for your kid, maybe it has nothing to do with music. Maybe it has to do with, you know, a sports team they follow or, you know, things that have become kind of that idolatry in there too. There's a lot of things, but the thing that I love listening to you, and I hope that moms, you guys are encouraged that there's so many amazing teaching opportunities. Like, yeah, you could view these just daggers that culture throws at you as like, oh goodness. Okay. More garbage for me to sift through. Okay. It kind of is, but we can also view it like, oh, how can we teach and train our kids through this? How can you have those conversations? Because your kids love, like you're saying, they're smart. They like to sit down and they would probably enjoy a conversation with mom about this. And maybe some of you are listening going, mm, okay, yeah, you don't know my kid. But I bet if you start, you just kind of need to go there very prayerfully, pray about these things with your kids. But I always just think sometimes we just need an inventory of what is coming in my home and asking the Lord, like, man, highlight the things that shouldn't be here and then tackle those things. But it's, it is such a great training and teaching opportunity that will bring blessing. And even some of the words you've said, freedom, the things that, that scripture tells us, we can be free of all that stuff and we can help our kids be free from that. And stuff. that's like, you know, these are like dinner table discussion stuff, yeah. you know, I mean, just bringing it up every time that you have breakfast or lunch or dinner together, just saying, Hey guys, just because we're really wanting you to be free, you know, we need to bring up some of this stuff because you know, the Bible does give us really clear direction that we are to fight for our freedom. You know, in Galatians, it says, you need to fight for this, <laughs> you know, stand fast, stand firm in the freedom you've been given, you know, because it's so easy to get entangled and just explaining it in that way to your kids that, Hey, I'm coming from a place of compassion for you. You can tie that in so easily at the dinner table, if it's yard day or whatever, whoever's got whatever happening in their yards. But like, you know, I love horticulture and gardening. I know we do not agree on this, uh, Amy. <laughs> but I not, love your garden. I do not it's love mud. I love mud. Beautiful. So I appreciate just certain things that come with spending time in the garden. Certain things like if you, and these are direct spiritual applications that you can bring your kids out, you know, to enjoy. My kids think it's so cool that I can plant stuff. And then a few months later, there's, they're like eating it, you know? So like, that's been something that they have loved since they were kids. So wherever we have lived from wherever we've moved around, it's, that's just what I do. And so like the other day I sent him a little video that was like, uh, didn't mean to, but look, and it was just, I have this whole chunk of onions that are growing up that I'm excited about because winter cooking, you want to have a little extra spice. And that's something that is nice to be able to just go out and get, you know, from your backyard, which is so cool. But 
as far as going back to the idea of being entangled, you know, vines, anyone that's out there that can identify with this, training vines, training roses, any of that stuff. My kids have seen me for years. They have seen me spend a lot of time with whether it's jasmine or roses, taking time to really train those vines. So because they've watched me do that, it's a very easy, hey, do you remember when you saw me doing this? And they'll say, oh yeah, well, that ties in with this situation, call it Taylor Swift, because I think we need to be careful that we're not all getting entangled in this because this is rapid growth. Watch, you know? And so we've been able to do that through the years. I mean, unfortunately, sadly, um, there's a large corporation out there that tends to bring children in, put little fake ears on their head, call them a blank tear, right? So they're in this club and then put them into movies and then we watch them completely destroy their lives. And so because of seeing this systematic situation happen, I, at, when I think Brooke was in fourth grade, when we first got that show, that Disney channel on, I said, okay, you all need to watch this particular girl because she's doing really great right now. And her dad's on this show with her right now and there's covering there and there's protection there and he's doing that on purpose and we all know it, but you're going to need to watch this. And so sad that through the years they've been able to say, oh, mom, you're so right. But see, the thing is, had I embraced everybody's good, everything they do is good, we would have not had those conversations. And then the implosion would have had to be accepted because everybody's okay and it's all fine and dancing around a pole naked in front of the whole world is all right and acceptable. No, it's not. There is a standard and we're called to keep that standard and it is part of helping your kids not become watered down Christians because we're called to a life of black and white. That's the rub. People just, it's, you know, living in the uncomfortable in a world that loves comfort. It's no, we just have to understand it's, it's what it is. I always love when we have Debbie on because you can just really spell it out. Just like you said, it's just black and white, right? And honestly, scripture's that way. Scripture's so clear. And, but these pictures, I hope that moms, as you guys hear this, that as you pray about that, that the Lord will show you some things that maybe you can talk about some mold in your house and how that needs to be cleansed. And I love that there's always an answer in scripture for these things. And it's not going to be about a bunch of stuff that we do, but it's about all the cleansing work that Jesus did for us in our parenting, for us personally, in our marriages and all of and that And that's stuff. my heart too, is to make sure that the women listening, that they understand that I'm coming from a place of understanding that the solution has literally already been given to us. And so just pulling from that solution, which is Jesus, and just understanding that literally when Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word of God, and just coming up empty and realizing, man, the world's bread is just empty calories, you know? It's yucky. It throws you off, just like our blood sugar when it gets off, you know, you just don't feel wonky. And the depth that we need is really coming from Jesus. He's the bread of life. He's the only thing that's going to satisfy. So I'm coming from that place of knowing well, that's the fountain we want. That's our living water. You know, we need that. And so I just want everyone to have times in their life that are flourishing, where there's plentiful growth and green and beauty and not times of desert. And it's not that we're not going to have times of desert. We all will definitely go through that. But the Lord promises streams in the desert. And so that's, I think that's my heart. You know, it's just like, wow, we want to offer streams to these women, you know, just beauty and streams. Thank you, Debbie, so oh, much. I love it. Thank I you so much. I appreciate it. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com.